Welcome to this episode on this podcast, Hidden Amongst Us. My name is Morgan Flynn, and today we will be discussing the unsolved homicide case of Brian Neisenfeld in Bristol, Rhode Island. Let's get to know Brian a little bit. Originally from Audubon, New Jersey, 18-year-old Brian finished up high school and began his freshman year at Roger Williams University in Bristol, Rhode Island. Brian was very quiet, didn't have too many friends, and liked to keep to himself. He was in his second semester studying architecture when he began to want a change. The curriculum was very, very intense, and on top of that, he was really homesick. Some of his hobbies that he engaged in during his free time were reading and writing poetry. You can kind of see how Brian was often by himself because his interests weren't really group activities. And this is completely okay because he found himself so fond of poetry, reading, and writing that he decided he wanted to switch over to an English major in January of 1997. But prior to switching majors, Brian went home for Christmas break. Here, he saw his parents and some friends. According to the friends, Brian talked about how his classmates were very snotty rich kids, which he didn't really like. And he also discussed switching majors with his parents, telling them how stressed and overwhelmed he had become, to which they told him to just stick it out until May which we know didn't happen because upon his return, the first thing Brian did was switch over to an English major. Brian would send his parents his poetry by mail in order to share his interest with them. His parents knew he was very talented, but they also believed that he was also depressed. Now, this isn't very hard to imagine, seeing as Brian is five hours from home, knows no one on campus, and just switched to a completely new major. It seems pretty overwhelming. Now that we know a good amount about Brian and his college experience thus far, let's discuss January 30th of this same year, 1997. Brian had had a very heated phone call with a former student of the school. His name was Josh Cohen. The reason I say former is because Josh had dropped out of Roger Williams not too many months ago. He actually was an architect major like Brian. The two had spent a lot of time together because of this and had become very good friends. After this call, Brian had called his dad and told him that Josh had said he would come on campus at any time to beat him up. For what reason? We don't know. Brian had felt very threatened, so much so that he told his dad that he wasn't safe and he needed to be picked up immediately. At this point, it's one in the morning, so obviously his parents are very on edge and taking it very seriously. Due to the fact that his parents are five hours away, his dad calls campus security to have him be checked on. They send someone to see Brian, and when they get there, Brian has completely changed. Now, he is saying that he was overreacting and that he's completely fine. The only advice that campus security gives him is to change his phone number. Not very helpful considering that there's a former student making threats that knows exactly where Brian lives. 
Brian also made sure to relay all of this to his dad, saying the same thing about how the threats are probably nothing and that he thought too much of them. A few days later, on February 6th, Brian went to his literature class in mid-afternoon where apparently he was not doing the best. Because of this, his professor spoke to him after class in order to offer him help and to try to figure out what he may be going through. According to the professor, she said it seemed as if something were bothering Brian because he was acting different and wouldn't accept the help he was given. He was very smart, so it was odd for him to fall behind like he was. After this interaction, he wasn't seen alive again. It wasn't until six days later that the university finally decided to call his parents and notify them. Of course, they were both in complete shock because the university had waited so long, especially because when it comes to a missing persons case, time is of the essence. Frustrated with the university, Brian's dad made the trip down to check out his dorm room to see if anything was out of the ordinary. What was odd was that Brian's glasses, guitar, and backpack were all left behind. This led his parents and investigators to believe that he didn't just run away, because if so, you'd think he would want to take at least his glasses. So they were definitely worried for Brian and his safety. Because the police were not notified until days after Brian disappeared, the investigation was behind in many aspects. They didn't get that immediate start as they normally would if they were notified sooner. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be until six months when there was a big break in the case, and not a good one. But in between the six months, Brian's mom received an anonymous phone call. It was from a female stating that she was associated with the school and that something had happened to Brian. She also added that an administrator and two staff members were withholding information on the case. Before Brian's mom could ask any questions, the call ended. There wasn't much police could do because they didn't obtain the technology to trace the call or to determine the caller. Many of the speculations were geared towards former classmate and friend, Josh Cohen. Some believed that the two may have been involved romantically and had had a falling out, and others thought that their relationship to be platonic. Either way, they both had the same conclusion. Josh killed Brian. If you remember the threatening phone call the two had had, Josh spoke out about it, but said it was all a joke and that they had similar calls like that all the time. Personally, I find that very weird. If it is true, and if it isn't, it's very hard to prove him wrong, because the only person who could do that now is dead. And if it had happened many times before in a joking manner, why would Brian call his father in such a frantic state with a cry for help? Another thought is that Brian committed suicide. We know that he was a little bit of a loner, was having a tough time in school, and seemed to be dealing with some stuff like that threatening phone call. Another thing that's worth a mention is Brian's favorite hangout spot on campus 
called Malto Bridge. It's not a small, quaint little Passover. It's 285 feet high in the air, and unfortunately it was and still is a notorious suicide bridge. Others said he may have accidentally killed himself by falling off the bridge, but I don't think this is true because he was familiar with the area and it has rails and such in order to stop things from happening. So many ideas in no way to prove anything. Do you think Brian Neisenfeld's death was an accident? Did he commit suicide? Or maybe it was Josh Cohen? Or is there somebody else out there, hidden amongst us? If you or anybody you know has any information on this case, please reach out to the Rhode Island State Police whose number I will provide in the description below. My name's Morgan Flynn, and thank you for tuning in to this episode on this case of Brian Neisenfeld in Bristol, Rhode Island.